T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hello, and thank you once again for checking out uh, this edition of Vern on Baseball. I had a chance to sit down with the newest center fielder for your boys in blue, the soon-to-be 30-year-old entering his eighth big league season. First with the Royals, it's Michael A. Taylor, who many of you know, won a World Series as a member of the Washington Nationals. i got to be honest with you, I enjoyed this conversation as much as I have with anyone in the uh, series of sit-downs I've been fortunate enough to have. Uh, I will note... Uh, that this recording, this conversation I had with Michael A. Taylor happened on January 6th in the midst of uh, everything that went down, the insurrection at uh, the Capitol, uh, the People's House of the United States. So this was weighing heavy on me. It was on my television as I was talking with Michael A. Taylor. So It will be mentioned briefly. We do not discuss it at length. Uh, In fact, we don't discuss it much at all, but you should know that when it is alluded to, this is indeed, or that is indeed what we were discussing. Um, But the conversation with Michael A. Taylor begins with, well, the beginning. Asking him, where did the baseball dream begin? For me, it started probably at about four years old. My dad introduced me to just about everything. I mean, I had basketball, football, soccer, tennis, baseball growing up, and I just took to baseball. You know, I played a little bit of everything probably until 10 years old, I would say. And then, you know, he always gave me the choice and all I wanted to do was play baseball. So, but I think my love for the game started even earlier than that. So probably around four years old. Did he love the game the same way you do now? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so. I, he became a baseball fan because of me. He grew up playing basketball and football. Um, he played tennis in the Army. And my mom is not necessarily a, a huge sports fan, or at least growing up she wasn't. So uh, I would say most of my family kind of jumped on after I, I took to baseball. Speaking of your parents, I would assume they were your biggest fans not only on the field but also in the classroom as well for sure Uh, especially in the classroom after the military uh, both my parents served in the army and then after the military they went into education my mom on the personnel side and my dad administrative side so uh, the classroom was definitely a, a big deal and something that they stressed the structure i would imagine that both of them provided because of their military background how helpful 
is that in a game that really necessitates a routine and sticking with that routine? Uh, it was huge. You know, just the, the work ethic I learned from them. And, uh, you know, baseball is a game of failure. So you definitely have to be perseverant and uh, strong-minded. And uh, those are all things that I see in my parents. Still not easy. You know, baseball will definitely uh, challenge you. So every day is a challenge. But, you know, they instilled some virtues in me that helped me to this day. Do you remember the first time you were not not challenged in a game? Uh, because that's going to happen in every at-bat, every ball that's hit to you. Uh, but where your psyche or your confidence in yourself was challenged? Uh, quite often. Uh, it's It really hasn't been something that has come super easy to me, even at a young age. You know, I had to work pretty hard and I wasn't always the best guy on the team and maybe not even second or third. So um, it's definitely a challenge growing up and confidence is such a big thing or a big part of baseball. Honestly, that's uh, something that I've had to work on through the years is just continue to, to work at it and then believe in myself at the same time. Do you remember the last time your confidence was tested? There's many times. To pick a last time would be kind of tough. I can tell you the worst time, worst game probably or definitely of my life was in uh, LA. I went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts and an error to lose the game, like a walk-off error. And I don't know that my confidence has ever been challenged more than that moment in my life. And after that day, I realized that, wow, if I can survive that, that's probably the worst day in, in baseball history. Like I can't think of uh, anything else that could have gone wrong, maybe get hurt on that last play or something like that. But after that, you know, I, I realized, well, I'm still alive. Like, that's basically the worst baseball can throw at me, and I'm still still good. So that definitely put things in perspective for me. How long does it take to get that realization of, hey, man, I'm still standing. I'm going to be just fine. Honestly, pretty quickly after that night, you know, I had some great teammates that came around me and showed support and, you know, leaving the ballpark just sitting on the bus driving back to the hotel, I, I thought to myself, wow, that was terrible. <laughs> that was a nightmare, but tomorrow's a new day. Like I left the field and I went home and that was it. Like it was over so quickly for me that I was able to turn the page. Yeah. I didn't necessarily come in the next day smiling and joking about it, but <laughs> I wasn't up all night crying over it. Sure. To, to go back, uh, you mentioned four years old is when the dream started. Do you remember when you flipped? Maybe you didn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe this never happened. But was there a moment where you realized that the sacrifice that it was going to take to ultimately make it to the big leagues like you did? Yes, I would say probably the summer going into my senior year was when I realized the amount of time that it, it takes to, to kind of take your game to the next level. And while my friends were going out and, and hanging out, you know, my dad basically told me, like, hey, this is what you – want to do like just know that there's some things you're going to miss out on and are you willing to do that and I enjoy the process of the game so honestly for me it was never really uh too big of a sacrifice I enjoy working out and hitting and taking ground balls fly balls whatever it is like the craft part of the game like I that's fun for me so there was never any complaining uh, no, not really. I think it was harder on my friends than it was on me. They didn't quite understand. But, um, 
you get that. T- I think, or at least in my life, I've, I've gotten that time back. And I have to imagine complaining wasn't really tolerated too much in your household coming up. No, that wasn't an option. What was that life like for someone uh, like myself who did not grow up uh, in, in a military family? You have your visions of it. Explain to us, what was it like? Honestly, you know, this sounds so simple, but I didn't know any different. So it was pretty normal for me. It was uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And my parents, it's not like, you know, they were running boot camp 24-7 growing up. But at the same time, there are certain things that they expected. And I'm definitely a product of my parents because it wasn't that hard for me. You know, it, it all made sense. And I understood from a very early age that everything that they were asking me to do was for my benefit so you know it wasn't it wasn't that tough obviously growing up you still make mistakes and you're going to be a kid and you know immature at times but they kind of put me back in line and then we keep moving i don't know if you've seen these commercials but they're my favorite things on television right now where you know it's some guy trying to help people that are acting too much like their parents or turning into their parents do you find yourself uh, whether it's your father or your mother, you find yourself mimicking the things that they used to uh, either instill in you or just the way that they act. For sure. That that commercial cracks me up every time I see it because it definitely made me aware of like little things that like, wow, I'm definitely my my dad's son. Or, But it, it's, uh, it's a good thing. I, I learned a lot from my parents and it's not really a bad example to follow. So what are those traits? What are those traits that, that you see in yourself that are reflections of your mother or your father? I would probably say the most glaring thing is uh, just kind of everything has a place. I wouldn't say I'm OCD, but I'm kind of particular. And my dad was very much the same way. How much of that has infiltrated your, your routine at the ballpark? Time-wise, gloves, bats, are you meticulous with all of that as well? Yes, probably a little less than my daily life because I I realized early on that if I obsess too much of my routine on my routine and something throws that off, whether it's like a last minute interview or a rain delay or whatever it is, then, you know, that can kind of make your day. I wouldn't say like ruin the day, but like if you're too obsessed of, okay, I have to do A, B and C and D, you know, you don't want to go out on the field and think, oh man, I, I didn't get to do this. So I try to be flexible there, but there are, are definitely some consistencies in my day. How would you describe the transition? Uh, I, I spoke about this with Brad Keller recently, going from a high school experience, and then all of a sudden you're a, you're a professional and this is your job. Honestly, it was great for me. <laughs> Growing up, it was basically school and baseball. Baseball obviously being my favorite of the two. So. Uh, going into professional ball is like, oh, I just get to play baseball all day and then kind of hang out when we're not playing baseball. First stop was uh, rookie ball in the GCL with the Nationals. And uh, we're staying at the La Quinta and we wake up at eight and go to the field until about three and then come back and watch a basketball game or play video games and then wake up and do it all over again. So I think it, it kind of lined up for me, obviously, like things that I enjoy doing. And I just got to play baseball every day. So it, it was an easy transition. Were you, quote unquote, were you well-traveled prior to becoming a professional or were all these new cities, uh, new environments foreign to you? 
I wouldn't say necessarily well-traveled. I was comfortable moving around and not sleeping in my own bed. You know, that wasn't a big deal for me. I'm the youngest in my family, so I didn't really experience the, the military life where my parents were stationed in a new place every few years. But I think my dad was very much used to that. So we would go on trips all the time and just get in the car and drive. So that was the bulk of my traveling. We didn't really uh, make any you know, huge extravagant trips or anything like that. I didn't live abroad for months, but you know, I was used to being on the road a little bit. What would you say is the best lesson that baseball specifically? Has, has baseball taught you anything unique? Uh, that it's not the most important thing in my life. When, when, when was that realized, if not prior to your professional career? Probably after, sometime after I made it, after, sometime after I was called up. You know, you have to put so much time into it. And I think I, I poured so much time into it and so much of myself and then kind of stepped back and realized like, wow, that's uh, it's not quite, you know, hitting the mark on everything and realized that I guess there's more to life than baseball. I still enjoy it and I still love the game, but that's not my identity. And I think... <laughs> It took me a while to to learn that. Sorry, not trying to get too deep on you, but no, that's that's terrific. I mean, there are old men that are still in the game that haven't realized that and sacrificed friendship and family and faith and a number of other things, you know, to worship at the altar of baseball. It's, I think, a showcase of uh, some pretty interesting perspective, to be honest. Well, oh for five with five Ks. That'll <laughs> <laughs> to you. Yeah. Um, how much did baseball help uh, when dealing with loss in your life? I don't know that. I guess it, it can provide an escape, you know, for three hours or so or however long you are uh, just focused on one thing and possibly just locked in on this one thing. But outside of that, I don't really know it, it provides too much for me. I mean, my faith is the biggest thing that helps me deal with loss. I'm assuming the loss you're talking about is my losing my father. Yeah, right. Uh, my father died in 2017. I found out in spring training and then missed a couple of days there. And it was nice, you know, because baseball provides you like a, a second family, you know, just having guys reach out. And, you know, there are a lot of great guys in, on the Nationals and they actually took care of the food for my family. For a long time, they they went above and beyond, and uh, that's that's a way that baseball, I guess, can help there. It's more so just the community of it. Mm -hmm. And this is an uh, an assumption on my part, but the baseball fan in me looks at a guy like Dusty Baker and says, "Man, I bet you he's got a lot of paternal qualities about him." During that time, or really any of your years in in Washington. What was that relationship like? Dusty Baker, I mean, he's he's amazing. I think anybody that has spent more than five minutes around him would say that. He was obviously there for me during that time also. And uh, for the time after, you know, I still talk, talk to Dusty to this day. You know, he understood. I don't know what loss he has experienced in his life, but I felt like he understood uh, what I was going through. And he just, uh, he was there for me. And I appreciate him for that. You, you mentioned earlier about how Baseball doesn't define me, and I mean, I'll be honest, just with all the craziness that's going on today and eye-opening moments uh, over the past few years, especially for someone like myself that grew up with people that all looked like me, 
Um, I, I wonder if you've found baseball and the clubhouse, does it reflect society as far as the ignorance, the prejudice, the double standards, or have you found it a safe haven that, that shields from all the outside burdens that come with being a black man in America? Uh, definitely your hardest hitting question so far. Uh, I mean, that stuff today was, it's just yeah, amazing to see the privilege right in front of you to where, man, if those were Muslim people, if those were black people, the, what, what's that scene look like? Uh, I, I can't draw and act like that's not what's been dominating today. Yeah, I, I have seen the news. So to answer your question, I would say uh, at times the clubhouse can definitely be a diverse place and kind of represent what's going on in society. It obviously depends, um, you know, where you're at. I spent winter ball in Dominican and, you know, it's, it just depends on the demographic, I guess, in, in the, uh, in the clubhouse. Uh, doesn't have, it doesn't have to be like that, I guess. And, and who am I to use the word burden? But I, I just know as a reporter that, you know, certain things are going to happen and I feel cliche and, and silly, you know, every year on Jackie Robinson Day, you know, we'll come up to you and we'll ask you questions about how there aren't enough African-Americans in Major League Baseball and then we don't talk about it. You know, we celebrate Jackie Robinson and Hank Aaron and Dusty Baker, but then we don't address the real issue of education and societal factors and whatnot. Is that, in your opinion, something that permeates the clubhouse to where, and you can only speak for yourself, you embrace the role of being one of the few African-Americans in whatever clubhouse you're in, because uh, the numbers are down as they have been for decades. I think uh, for me, it's a, a tricky situation. I think last year showed me that more so than any year in the past. But I think the toughest thing is we're there to play baseball, but obviously you have a platform where you can make you know, your voice heard. But at the same time, as far as a clubhouse, it's not always best to talk about politics and things like that with your teammates because you might hear some things that you don't necessarily want to hear. Uh, so trying to dance that tightrope a little bit can be tricky. And uh, I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question. but I just I, – I don't like the idea that I've heard from some athletes that – you know, the clubhouse is this friction-free safe haven. Yeah, I, I mean, for baseball, I just, I'm not sure how many good things come out of those conversations. And I've seen more fights than anything else, you know, not maybe not fights, obviously not fist fights or anything like that. But when you're trying to win a World Series and you're talking about family and brotherhood and then conversations come up that divide people, it can be counterproductive. But at the same time, you know, we live in the, a real world where there's issues going on. So uh, like I said, how do you kind of balance the two? I don't know. You mentioned guys all pulling on the same side of the rope trying to win a World Series. If you had to use an adjective or two that describe what makes that championship team different, what, what adjectives would you use? Diligent, confident, Loyal, to name a few, I guess. Are, are those three traits, 
Are they evident in spring training? They can be. I mean, I think it depends on the team, but I don't think it's something that you have to have day one necessarily. Yeah, I would think confidence would build, especially when you start to see guys picking up one another. That's what it was with that 15 Royals team. It was whenever someone would make a mistake, someone else would come behind them, pick them up, and you just you weren't worried about not being perfect, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Speaking of those, that, that championship team, a, a local guy in, in Max Scherzer, do you have a favorite story of, of uh, being his teammate, whether it's standing out there in center field and watching him compete or witnessing the work that he put in? Does anything jump out to you about the, uh, the former Mizzou Tiger that you were able to be teammates with? My favorite part about Max is just his competitiveness. I really enjoyed going back and forth with him, talking about, uh, you know, playing basketball and who would win and just trash talking. And then also watching him in spring training when we're doing live VPs in inner squads and things like that. Yeah. You know, he would he would go into those games or uh, live VPs like it's game seven of the World Series. And just that intensity is something that I think you don't find in everyone especially in situations like that. Obviously, you're always learning, but is there a specific teammate or two that you point back to and go, man, I don't know if I'd be the ball player I am today if I wasn't lining up alongside so-and-so? Definitely. I've tried to learn something from everyone that I've played around. To name a few, and I'm hesitant to just because I don't want to leave anyone out, and so I won't. But I think the the thing that I try to do is – learn from them, but then also find out how it fits in my game. Because just for an example, to take Max's int intensity and try to just mimic that, it might not line up with who I am and how I need to go about the game. So it, it could be best for him, but maybe it's not best for me. But just seeing that and then maybe thinking, wow, maybe I should turn it up a notch, you know, in this live EP or in my shagging in the outfield or this, that, and the other. Another teammate, Bryce Harper. What was it like traveling at the height of his popularity? I played with Bryce in the minor leagues, and I would almost say it was worse then than uh, the time in the major leagues. You know, we actually roomed together for a little bit, and we would have to unplug the phone in the hotel room because people would find out what room he's in and just call the phone all night long. It's got to be tough, honestly. Like, you can't just sit down and have dinner, and I kind of feel bad for him. Could you have dealt with that at, at that stage of your career? Could you have dealt with that kind of attention? I would think so. I mean, I'm a private person, so it would probably be challenging, and he is also a private person. He had his dad. I mean, he was younger than I was, and it, it made sense that his dad traveled with him because it was definitely an experience. A lot of pressure. With pressure... Do you always feel it? Do you hardly feel it? How would you describe your relationship with pressure? Well, I think we, we create pressure for ourselves. So when I have that awareness, I try to breathe and find practical ways to kind of bring myself back down. Sometimes it's easier than others, but just trying to be aware of, you know, what's going on in my head has helped me with uh, many different like mental struggles. Can you expand on that? What, what kind of advice would you pass down to someone that is hoping to uh, 
reflect that kind of uh, calm at pressurized moments. I've heard it said that uh, pressure comes from when you feel like your abilities don't meet the requirement or whatever the task is. So for me, I focus on the process and I know that if I do my work, prepare for a game, do everything that I need to do to be prepared, there's nothing else that I can do. So I kind of have to let go of worrying about the result. And uh, that gives me the confidence that I have what it takes because I've put in the work, I've done all this. And then at the end of the day, if it still doesn't work out, I can hold my head high because I know I did everything in my power. And honestly, the result is out of my power. So kind of just worrying about the things I can control and then letting go of the rest. Man, I love that. I hadn't heard that before. Uh, what What's after baseball? Because it seems as if this is just a small stop in your life, your, your journey. What's to come or are you, are you just as curious? Yeah, honestly, I don't know for sure. I have other interests, but I don't really know what my path is after baseball. Mm-hmm. I got to get this in there because 493 feet, is that correct? Is that what that bomb was at Coors Field back in the day? Something like that, I think. So a 493-foot blast, uh, a home run in the first World Series at bat that you had, correct? And a home run in the first game that you played in the big leagues. Can you tell us a story of each or how the feelings differed between home run in the first World Series at bat, home run in your first big league game, and a near 500-foot blast? Home run in the first big league game was, I mean, surprisingly, all of those were different feelings. I feel like I blacked out after that ball went over the fence at City Field for my first home run. I don't even I don't even remember like circling the bases. Like a lot of these like bigger home runs, I can like close my eyes and still picture circling the base and kind of go back to that. And I feel like I have no recollection of that other than watching the ball go over the fence and then just being like in shock and kind of numb. But it's still a memory that I will I'll have forever. Mm-hmm. And luckily, it didn't go into the stands because I was able to get that ball back. So. Where's that at right now? In my attic. Tucked away? Tucked away, yeah. Nice. I don't have an office or anything like that right now, but maybe one day I'll have it mm-hmm. on a shelf somewhere. Your Royals World Series ring right next to the Nationals one? Yeah, well, I'll just wear that around the house. There you go. Uh, how about the other two? How about the home run in the World Series, and how about that, that moonshot at Coors? Well, the, the home run at Coors comes with an asterisk because obviously the ball flies there not hidden 493 foot shots that's what it takes to get one out of Kaufman so we, we need we need them we need that to come back well I'll need a breeze or some lighter air or something <laughs> but um I just remember the probably the lightest ball that I've felt off the bat but you know that was still a good feeling and then when I saw the number I, I couldn't believe it but it still counts as one so right. that's right and then the home run in the World Series was kind of feel like it happened quick like the game was a little out of hand so I went in the game late wasn't really expecting it because you don't expect to like have a line change in the World Series I didn't know that was a a thing but I went in on defense and then you know was coming up the next inning and I'm thinking well this is my first at bat and 
didn't know if I was going to get another one because I wasn't really playing at that point. So I said, why, why wait around? I'm not going to take a pitch and just kind of jumped on the first fastball that I saw or the first pitch that I saw. And uh, I just remember running the bases and trying to slow down. I, I have this problem of like sprinting around the bases after a home run. And I feel like one, it looks a little weird and I don't really get to enjoy the moment on, on uh, situations like that. But I pimped a home run one time in little, not little league, in the minor leagues. And it ended up hitting the top of the wall. And I was safe. I made it to second base. But I have never been chewed out more in my life. And that just left an impression on me. And to this day, like as soon as the ball, like the crack of the bat, I'm just out of the box. And then rounding first, I have to remind, okay, you can slow down a little bit. So if anyone ever wonders why I sprint around the bases, that's why. Um, you, made, you made it to second. Should you have been on third? Or? In my coach's eyes, yes. Okay. Or at least make, make it to second a few seconds earlier and not have a throw made to second base. Are you pro, not, not showing anybody up, but enjoying your home runs? Whether it's you or the, obviously you don't want opponents hitting them, but if they do, do you have a problem with Tim Anderson, Tatis, Max Muncy, any of these guys when they do that? I think there's a way to do it, and I think there's a way not to do it. It's not something that is a priority for me. If I hit a home run, I know I hit a home run. He knows I hit a home run. I don't have to do something to show him. but. It's exciting, and I think where the game is at now, that's what the people want to see. So things can sometimes get a little exaggerated, but like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I do think there's a right and a wrong way to do it. I just took a look at the clock. I realized I've kept you for uh, longer than I expected, so I'll, I'll end it on this one. What excites you most about this new beginning in Kansas City that'll get started coming up in just over a month in Arizona? I think the thing that excites me the most is just the – experiencing the culture and being a part of uh, this organization, honestly. It sounds like a broad answer, but just kind of, I feel like everyone says the same thing about Kansas City and it being a great organization. And I'm just excited to be a part and just to to experience that. Yeah, I think you'll love it. Uh, hopefully the fans can get in there uh, sooner rather than later. But until then, and until uh, spring training starts, Stay safe and uh, stay healthy, and we'll see you in surprise. Yes, sir. I'll see you then. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game! Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.